All right, so I, I really probably should have started this a while ago, but I am awesome at procrastination. Um, as most people probably know, um, Stephanie, that's my girlfriend, got a little sick last year, and um, what most of you probably don't know is the details and everything, so this will be pretty much what happened um, from my point of view, um, 2017, I really wouldn't be surprised if one of those ancient cultures like the Mayans were right and 2017 began like the apocalypse for the world or something, like the end of everything, but it wasn't, wasn't like some cinematic Michael Bay style apocalypse. It was just enough, like the earth just fell off axis, just enough for some real, real weirdness to start to manifest. Like, just all the craziness. Um, first of all, I mean, we got Trump in the White House, and no matter what you feel, that shit has been insane. So, for me, it was really, really Stephanie getting sick. So I'm just going to jump into it. Um, it'll also explain for some of you wondering why I wasn't training for basically all of 2017. Um, really sort of why I fell off the map. Um, this will explain a lot of those, where you been, Bob, kind of questions. Um, so it was March 4th, um, and the reason I remember that is we were supposed to watch the Woodley Wonder Boy rematch. Um, we were going to go meet with some friends, watch that fight, and she wasn't feeling good. She had gotten a, a tattoo on her wrist earlier that evening, and um, she she came home that night and said she wasn't feeling good and that, uh, you know, she just wanted to stay in, which is fine. So I just went by myself. And then that Sunday, she still wasn't feeling good. Her hand was a little cold and uh, she was a little irritable, said she kind of had a headache, was a little bit dizzy. And we went to go see uh, Logan um, we had a deal, so she was going to take me to go see Logan, and then a couple weeks later I was going to go take her to see Beauty and the Beast. Um, Logan was good. Beauty and the Beast, we saw it later. It was just it was terrible. I don't know what y'all are thinking, letting just Disney ruin your childhood like that. But, I mean, if your childhood is ruined by just one movie, then you had a weak-ass childhood anyway. <laughs> um, but we saw Logan, and I remember she was really not in a good mood. Um... I looked over at one point during the movie, and she was sort of curled up trying to sleep. So on our way home, um, she was saying she was kind of having some numbness on one side. She was a little cold. Um, said her 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 face was kind of hurting. Um, we didn't know what it was. We originally thought it might be some sort of nerve damage or poisoning or something from the tattoo. Cause she got on the inside of her wrist. And that was a side she said was not feeling good. So we uh, kind of, I mean, I'm the kind of person that I don't really, I don't always take, you know, medical issues as seriously as they should be. Sometimes I kind of just, you know, rub some dirt on it and keep going. I mean, I literally, when I was working, I worked at a daycare uh, when I was in high school. And I, I literally told a kid rub some dirt on it one time. And I mean, it was, I, I hope he's okay now. Um but so that Monday, she 
had an appointment with just her primary care physician just as a checkup. And her primary care doctor basically told her um, that she just might be stressed and that she needs to relax. And, you know, she's probably just having some anxiety and stuff. So we didn't really think much of it. And then that next day, Tuesday, um, she was at work and everybody was saying, you're seeming like you're drunk. You're seeming like you're drunk, like something's going on. And then um, she went to the, she was presenting like she had a stroke. I mean, that's really what it was right off the bat. She was presenting like she had a stroke. And they sent her to the, she went to a, uh, one of those care now or, or prima cares. I can't, I'm not hundred percent on which one, but anyway, she, she went to one of those, you know, dock in a box kind of things. And they said, Oh yeah, you're, you're definitely presenting like you have a stroke. Her eye was dilated. She was kind of slurring her words. She was, uh, stumbling around a little bit. And, um, they sent her to the ER. The ER took her in, checked her out. They did a, a, a CT scan and didn't see anything just i think they gave her some some meds or something some vitamins or some you know some dumb shit like that and uh, just sent her home she came home that tuesday night still wasn't feeling good and then so she went ahead and called into work and i was off on wednesday um so i remember that night that Tuesday night when, when we were sleeping, she would just sort of wake up in the middle of the night out of nowhere, just <gasps> just like she was just gasping for air, couldn't breathe. And she started throwing up. That morning, she just started throwing up just kind of uncontrollably every five, not not five minutes, every half hour or so she was throwing up. And it was my sister, my oldest sister is a nurse, has been a nurse for a very long time. So she's sort of our de facto when there's something wrong, anybody in the family sick, we call her. So called her, uh, wished her happy birthday, and then, you know, explained what was going on with Stephanie. And uh, she basically told us we got to go back to the primary care doctor. So we went back to the primary care doctor and that dumb bimbo, we were still, I mean, she still was saying it's just... I mean, Stephanie's sitting there throwing up, can barely talk, stumbling, eyes dilated, faces drooping, um, like stumbling around. I'm having to help her walk around. And this idiot is still sitting there saying like, oh, it's just anxiety. It's just anxiety. She said, oh, we checked your blood and, you know, your blood looked great. And she was like, you checked my blood four months ago. So um, through this whole experience, I lost a lot of faith in, in doctors. I mean, they're, they're, I get why people have so much skepticism towards them. Um, they, all they know how to, they just know how to do two things. They know how to cut you open, do procedures, and then prescribe you drugs. They're, they're, they're butchers and drug dealers, basically. That's, that's all they can do. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm not into all that weird alternative medicine stuff, but that's a story for another time. So we're pushing her, her primary care doctor gives her like a B12 shot and uh, just sends her on her way. It's like, oh, you know, if it gets worse and we're like, dude, she's puking, like this is really bad. Um, just gives her a B12 shot and some vitamins and sends her on her way. And then, you know, she's still throwing up. We try, we go to you know, like a, we went to like Jason's Deli or something and. 
um, you know, got her some some soup or something, and she's struggling to keep that down. You even get it down. She's coughing, coughing. She's choking. So her mom comes to stay with us for a few days. I go back to work on Thursday. They set up an appointment with a neurologist for Thursday, and the neurologist sets her up um, to get an MRI on Friday. So we get the MRI. She gets the MRI Friday morning, and um, they see something in her brainstem. So she had a a lesion, some sort of mass. Uh, it was the medulla and the pons. It's sort of where the the brainstem connects to the brain. It's probably the most sensitive area in, in the entire body. I mean, you look at it; it's like it's all wires and connective tissue. There's no there's no real meat there. Um, so they send her to the hospital, one up in uh, in Frisco. And they they check her out. She's admitted to the hospital. She goes through the ER. We get in there. I mean, I'm spending. I go straight from work. Uh, they let me off early, and uh, I go up to the hospital. We're hanging out on Friday, and I mean, hanging out, right? Like it's a party. No, we're up there. There's, you know, she has friends coming up. She's in the hospital, and uh, I remember she. You know, it was just, it was crazy because we went from watching a movie on Sunday to admitted to the, you know, in the ER with a mass in her brain by Friday. I mean, that's how fast this shit happened. So we're there. She, they keep her there. They do another MRI. Um, her mom stays the night with her, with her <clears throat> excuse me, her mom stays the night with her on Friday. And, you know, I go back to our place because I had work on Saturday now, she, um, is she, so, Saturday was a really, that Saturday was a really weird day. I woke up, and I drive to work. I, the second I get to work, I immediately throw up. Um, and then my coworker gets there, I throw up an hour later, and then an hour later I throw up again. So he's like, man, screw it, I don't want to catch you, have just go home. So I get home at about one, I throw up again, I take a nap, wake up, about an hour later at two, throw up again, and I'm just, everything hurts. I mean, I had just been thrown up, you know, already had thrown up like half a dozen times. So I'm freaking out a little bit too, like, oh shit, you know, what do I have? Um, I figured it was just like, you know, stress and maybe, you know, I ate something that didn't sit well with me. But, you know, she's texting me. I was going to go see her. I was going to get off early on Saturday anyway and, and go see her in the hospital. My whole family, my sister and brother-in-law, they came up. They're from Houston. Uh, the nurse, she comes up. You know, my whole family goes to the hospital. They're kind of waiting for me on Saturday. And I was in so – I was just aching, doubled over, like constantly throwing up. I, had, and I was puking up, you know, just like green snot basically, just that bile shit that happens when you're empty. Um but like I said, we had seen, just seen Logan like a week earlier. So I literally just like summoned, I just believed like, what would Wolverine do? And I was like grunting and drooling and dragging myself across the floor. Like I got to get dressed. I got to get dressed. I knew I had to, I had to make it to the hospital. Um, they, she had uh, been prescribed uh, something for throwing up and nausea. And I knew she had that with her. So I was like, okay, if I can just get to the hospital 
if I can just get to the hospital, then everything will be okay. So I'm grunting and growling, just like dragging myself and getting dressed. And I text everybody except her. I go, listen, I'm going to look like shit when I get there because I've thrown up like 10 times. But don't tell Stephanie. She has enough going on. She, you know, she's, she has enough on her plate. I don't want her worried about me. Um, so, I mean, it was like the most idiot macho thing. But I just tell everybody. Um, so people are showing up. You know, I walk, I, I get to the hospital. Um, I can barely make it. And I, when I pull into the parking lot, I, I throw up again. And I just like lay in my car for like 10 more minutes at the hospital, barely make it up to there. And then, um, so I'm sorry. Originally, when they saw the mass and her medulla and her pons, it looked like a stroke. It didn't look like anything solid. So for the first couple, for that first, you know, 24 hours or so, we just thought it was a stroke. So I get to the hospital on Saturday. I spend some time with her. Her mom goes, you know, back to our place and hangs out. And that evening, you know, I'm with her. I feel like shit because, again, I've been throwing up all day. And the doctor comes in and says, you know, it's not a stroke. You, You have a mass in your brain. So the next day they admit her. They sent her down to UT Southwestern down uh, in Dallas. And uh, they start running tests. They do spinal taps. You know, they do another MRI. Um, They're just trying to figure out really what's going on. Um, Because, again, it it was so much so fast. So that week they're running tests. She's staying in the hospital. I'm I'm going back and forth. So So eventually she's... She was admitted to UT Southwestern, I believe on, I'll I'll recheck the date, but I believe it was like March 15th, and um, she, for that week, we're checking stuff, checking stuff, and then eventually, by the end of the week, they decide that they're going to try to biopsy, go inside, see if they can pull some tissue out, and um, keep, and just try to figure out what it is. I mean, we were concerned at this point it could be cancerous, we didn't know. I mean, there are a lot of options at that point. I mean, we we had no idea. I mean, MS was one of the one of the things they were considering. So, so Stephanie is extremely savage because I would not have opted for that biopsy. I would have been way too scared, but. You know, it was, it was a high-risk procedure, um, just like I said, because of where it was. Um, when I post this, I'll, I'll add in some links to some, you know, short videos showing you where the, those um, structures in the brain are. Like I said, it's the, the brain stem, sort of base of the brain where it connects. Um, so it was, it was high-risk because, I mean, if they, you know, get in there and cut even the tiniest little wire or something then that's, you know, that's permanent damage. Um, so as this this mass has grown, it knocked out, it, it hit this, you know, her nervous system really, really hard. So it, it knocked out her ability to swallow, her ability to walk. Um, it really negatively impacted her vision, which has come back um, over this last year. But, um, so, like I said, she, she does the biopsy on Wednesday the 22nd, and, um, 
I remember like a couple nights before, you know, I was home alone. Let me turn the volume down on that. A couple nights before, you know, I was home alone. I'm freaking out and everything. Like, you know, what the shit is this? Um, and I actually spent like two hours watching uh, videos on on YouTube of people having tumors removed from their brains. So I literally watched like brain surgery videos for a couple hours. Um, one of my sisters was like, oh, dear God, why would you do that to yourself? But it's because, I mean, it was going to happen. I mean, that's reality. That's where I was. And I just think it's you gain nothing from trying to hide from what you're going to have to go through from, you know, this is where I was. This is the reality I was in. This is the reality we were in. And I wanted to know what it was. I, I wanted to know what, what, what time it was. And to be honest, you know, at first it was really eerie watching those. But what happens is after a while, after about, you know, the third or fourth one, it was very peaceful. Like, it gave me a sense of peace because I saw the skill required to do it. I saw, you know, it was done... Um, it was done successfully over and over and over and it sort of normalized it for me to where it wasn't this this crazy thing and I was like oh how is this going to be done but you see oh you know it's it's done with precision it's done with skill um, you know it's you know because I think you know if I had to do it oh god it'd be miserable <laughs> it'd be a disaster if they let my my dumb ass do it um, so she made it out of the biopsy fine. Um, she got uh, had some gnarly scars. I'll tell you that much. But um, so she made it out okay. They pulled some necrotic tissue, but even that was inconclusive. They didn't find anything from the biopsy. They basically just found dead tissue. So we do more spinal taps, um, do some more procedures. Try, really, we're just trying to, they're just trying to diagnose it, figure out what's going on. And while she's in the, the hospital, she's having all these complications, obviously, from not being able to move, from not being able to breathe right. She's on a tube. They, they put her on a tube. Initially, they have a tube feed going up through her nose, down into her, down her throat, into her stomach. Um, but at some point, I believe it's after this, like a couple weeks after this, they put the tube in her stomach, which she still has. It's been over a year. She she had the tube in her stomach. And for a while, that's all she could eat. So, you know, the, the days turn into weeks, and they, they really can't figure out what it is. And uh, at some point, they decide to, we decide to put her on, you know, really heavy antibiotics because... The way it's presenting, they're thinking it's some sort of fungal infection or some listeria or something like that. So they put her on some antibiotics, and they're doing weekly MRIs. And while she's on the antibiotics, the MRIs show an improvement in the, the lesions. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Par. Actually, right after the biopsy, they did an MRI, and they saw she had a second smaller lesion show up uh, right next to the first one. So that, you know, was a swift kick in the balls. But a couple weeks go by, they put her on some antibiotics, and she starts to see improvement. The, the lesions are shrinking. And they get her to a point, because her oxygen, I mean, she was so weak. Like, she was, she lost 30 pounds. 
her heart rate was, you know, through the roof. Um, her, her hair was falling out. It was, it was, you know, um, it was fucked up. But they, she's, you know, like I said, she's very strong. She's very powerful. Really pushed through a lot of that. And she started to show some improvement. And um, with that improvement, she got her oxygen levels sort of normalized, her heart rate normalized. Uh, she saw some progress with well, we thought she was seeing progress because of the medicine, the antibiotics she was on. So they put her in rehab for three weeks. And then, you know, she's wheelchair bound at this point in, in everything. She's getting around on a wheelchair. They can get her up to do a little bit of stuff. Um, she has, you know, temperature insensitivity. I think that's the right word. She has temperature insensitivity on the, the right side. Uh, 50% motor control loss on her left side. Um, but they put her in rehab for three weeks and it helps a little bit. We saw some improvement and then they released her on, uh, May 13th. So she was in the hospital for exactly two months and this whole time, I was working full-time as a project manager for flooring, flooring projects and stuff, Um, and I was sleeping at the hospital. I was staying at the hospital four or five nights a week. I was trading off with her mom, uh, who's a teacher, Um, was staying there, you know, when I wasn't there, and then her aunt would fly in and stay, you know, a day or two over the weekend. So between the three of us, we we had it covered. Um, somebody would stay with her every single night for those two months, and she had a lot of friends, a um, lot a lot of friends that showed up, um, brought her flowers, tons of stuff. I mean, she's it, we're a good couple because she's very likable, and I'm not likable at all. So it's like a good little yin. <laughs> it's like a good little yin yang thing we got going on. Um, but anyway, she had tons of love and support. My family, my sister came back up uh, after the surgery just to check on her, make sure she was okay. Um, my family was coming to visit her and, uh, so they release her on May, like I said, May 13th, they release her. She's in the hospital for exactly two months. So when she comes home... I mean, that was, like, one of the happiest. Those first two weeks she came home, it was just the happiest time. I mean, even though she was still... I was actually getting less sleep because I I was taking care of her. Um, You know, I'd work all day. I'd come home. I would take care of her from the time I got home from work to the time I left from work the next morning. I was taking care of her the whole time. And her mom would show up during the days. So... You know, she would be. I was. I was doing tube feeds for her. She was on a 100% liquid diet at this point. She couldn't eat any solid food, so all of her calories had to were coming from basically protein shakes that she would that would be injected through her tube in her stomach. And she had to have medicine, all tons and tons of medicine. I mean, she was still very, very sick, very, very weak. Um, and you know, we were just taking care of her, so. She started, she had an inpatient, in-home rehab program that started, 
uh, in June that was set up through her hospital. So these these rehab uh, therapists would come in and take care of her and, you know, she would have walking and speech and vision and all sorts of counseling, all sorts of stuff. So that pretty much went from May 13th until our lease was up at the beginning of July. So, you know, my parents love my parents to death. They opened their home to us, let us move in with them in the beginning part of July. And my mom was teaching at the time, but, you know, she and my dad decided that she would take off, take some time off from work. And because Stephanie needed 24-7 care, basically, at this point, her mom had to go back to work. Um, because, I mean, this is something, this is a whole nother thing. But six months before all this happened, her dad died of a heart attack. Um, this total freak thing. So... I mean, she's been through so much shit. I mean, honestly, like, I say this all the time. Like, Stephanie makes the rest of y'all and me too look like some of the biggest bitches you can imagine. (laughs) I mean, for real. She, her dad died, and then six months later, this happened. And she has bitched more about that stuff than some of y'all do about the most mundane things. I mean, even me. I'm a complainer. I will admit it. Like, I'll do stuff. Like, I'll push through, but I, I'm, you're going to hear about it on the way. Like, let's just be real. I will bitch about some stuff. Like, I'm, I'm going to do my chores, but you're going to know how much I don't want to do my chores. Um, <laughs> so, so my parents open up their home. We move in, and, uh, you know, my while I'm working, my dad's, you know, going to work. My mom's taking care of Stephanie. Uh, during the days, and uh, my mom's a machine. I mean, she got everything on. She got everything on point. Down, everything is just down to a science with her. So here's where you know we thought we we're in the clear. Stephanie was making good progress. So we're here for about a month, and then in August, uh, you know, she's going in for these monthly MRIs. And something weird that was happening was she was having these random, really high temperatures, really bad fevers would just sort of spike out of nowhere. And uh, we didn't know what it was. And then, you know, sure enough, they, in August, she goes and gets another, an MRI. And we get the MRI at like noon and by three, four o'clock in the afternoon, they call us and she had another flare up. This one was even bigger than the other two. I mean, this one was insane. It looked like a cloud covering the whole top of her brainstem. And this was just like, just a complete gut check. I mean, we were making all this progress for three months, and then this happens. They readmit her. She has to go back to the hospital and spend another night. And this, honestly, like this, this one that I mean, that one in in the second one in August was honestly worse. It was it was harder to deal with than. And at least initially, it was harder to deal with than the first one. Because it's like, I mean, if I tell you, like, you're going to have to get in a fight a week from now, okay? You're going to spend that whole week thinking about it. You're going to spend the whole week, you know, over, you know, the anxiety and the anticipation is worse than just if you're walking down the street one day and someone just, like, jumps and you got to, you know, like, defend yourself or something. And then it's over. You don't even have time to worry about it. So... 
She goes back, spends another, has to spend another night or two at the hospital. I mean, it was kind of funny because we were, at this point, we were like pros. I mean, her mom showed up. We had snacks ready to go. We had everything on point, like ready to spend a long-ass time in that hospital. But they checked her out, and her conditions, like, hadn't really, didn't really worsen, at least initially. So everything that was required for her to be released we could we could take care of like there's certain things that she needed like she we were going to be able to take care of her just as well as they would in the hospital um you know she was breathing on her own her her blood pressure was good things like that were okay so it's not like she had to be on any machines so they went ahead and released her after a day or two um but this time they knew they were pretty much certain when the doctors checked her out, they said, okay, this has to be some sort of autoimmune disease. Um, just because if it was bacterial or something, it couldn't have been cancer. The biopsy proved that. It couldn't have been some sort of bacterial thing be- situation because she had taken all these antibiotics. So at this point, the only thing left was an autoimmune disease. And MS was um, sort of what everybody was expecting at this point. So a couple weeks later, they... She she undergoes a week of something called plasmapheresis where she would go in and they would plug her up to this machine for like three or four hours. And this machine would extract a certain amount of her blood. It spins it in this uh, like cha-chong, 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 like a little washing machine. And it separates out the plasma and just her regular red blood cells. Um, And then it puts just the red blood cells back in her body. So she has to do this every other day for a little over a week. She had, she had five sessions. So I think I went for, I think three of them. Um, her mom went for a couple, my mom went for a couple. So right after that, like a week after that, they do another MRI and they saw just a drastic decrease in the size of that second lesion. Um, well, technically the third one, but the second big flare-up, the one that happened in August. So at this point, they're they're certain that it's an autoimmune disease. And just based on her presentation and her symptoms and everything, they know it's MS. And it's actually something called tumofactive multiple sclerosis. So the reason we didn't think it was MS, or I say we, I mean everybody. I mean, what does my dumbass know? I don't know anything. I'm just, like, sad. So... The reason they thought it was, uh, the reason they did not think it was MS at first is because MS, generally the way it shows up on an MRI is you get a bunch of small little flare-ups. They describe it sort of like a Christmas tree. Like You get a bunch of little light-ups sort of all over the brain. Well, with Stephanie, it was the single big you know, masses. So it's, it's tumofactive, multiple sclerosis. It's every case. And she's looked into research and on this and gotten in touch with communities of people with a similar, you know, similar disease. And every single story is some crazy misdiagnosis, you know, it took them a year to figure out what it was. It's uh, really hard for people to properly diagnose it. So then starting in November, she started taking a, a medicine to help prevent any new flare-ups, any new lesions from happening. And she's still getting monthly MRIs and everything. And, you know, thankfully she has not had any new uh, 
flare-ups, nothing like that. Um, she's still doing rehab. She started in January doing a um, an outpatient rehab. She goes nine to three, five days, you know, Monday through Friday, six hours a day. And, um, you know, they're, they're doing a good job. She's really working. And, you know, we're seeing, we are seeing progress. It's been a little over, we're coming up on a year of her discharge date. Um, she still has the tube, but at this point she can eat pretty much uh, regular food. She doesn't do any tube feeds. She does all of her calories come orally. Um, the only thing, the really the only reason she needs the tube now is water. Um, you know, she still has some trouble getting thin liquids down. Um, it's sort of like if you were gonna hold on to a rope, you know, the size of your wrist, it'd be easier than holding on to a rope. Um, you know, the size of a pencil, so to speak. Like the muscles in the throat have a hard time gripping uh, the thinner fluids. At least that's my limited monkey understanding of it. But she is using, uh, she still needs the wheelchair to get around for, you know, long periods of time. Like if we're going out, going to the movies or something, she'll still use the wheelchair. Um, but she can use a walker, a small silver walker, to get around most other places. And, uh, you know, I, we, she really went from needing... I was at one point, like in August, when that second flare-up happened, I was having to carry her. You know, somebody would have to get up with her anytime she needed to use a restroom, like in the middle of the night. Somebody would have to get up and pretty much carry her in. But she's she's really impressive. Um She's really made a lot of progress. It's just slow. It's just slow, and it takes time. Um, but it's been, it's still surreal. I still wake up, and, you know, sometimes first thing in the morning I'll wake up, I'm like, you, what the hell is going on? Um, that's pretty much where we are now. Um, we're with my parents. Uh, you know, my mom's still taking care of her. Um, it's more than thankful for them. And... Um, you know, she and I are, it's, it's weird. It's, it's really weird. I mean, I can just say, and this is something that I tell everybody and I'll say it now and I can say it a million times, but you don't know till you know, is that you have no idea how unthankful you are for what you have. I mean, even if you're a pretty thankful person, even if you're really appreciative and, you know, you're very positive, you still don't know. I mean, that's the biggest thing. I mean, that's the number one thing I feel when I think back on our life before and my attitude and the way I behaved, you know, before all this happened. Like I said, I was a complainer. Uh, <clears throat> but... You know, I just I just didn't appreciate it. You know, as humans, we tend to always look for what we don't have. Um, you know, we're looking for ways things could be better, certain, you know, stuff like that. We're, we're constantly looking for more. We're looking for the next thing. We're looking for ways to improve, uh, which isn't bad. The, there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of, you know, uh, social benefits, survival benefits. There, there are a lot of benefits to thinking that way but it can go too far and you can you can err on the side of being ungrateful 
you know, because you can also have less. I mean, a lot of times we're always looking at, oh, this person has more than me or this person has it better than me. You're looking at what you don't have, but you don't realize, like, how much more you have than somebody else. I'd say, like, in a weird way, I'm I'm happier now than I, I was before all this. And it's just because even though, you know, we have less, it's like I'm more appreciative of it. I'm more thankful for what I have. I'm more thankful for the time I have with her, for my parents, for my relationships, for my family, for everybody. And, I mean, if you can learn something from this, you can take anything away from this, it's just be thankful. Just be appreciative. That's the key to happiness. That's the key to getting anything better. I mean, if you don't appreciate what you have, it's going to be real hard to get anything more. So I'm going to start doing these as a regular thing, um, have some guests on and everything. I just thought it was important for the first one just to lay out where I am and, you know, where we've been um, just so people understand what, um, you know, where I am um, sort of as a jumping off point. So it's not like, hey, you know, you're hearing bits and pieces of this over the subsequent episodes. So... Appreciate it, uh, everybody that's took the time to listen to this whole thing. Um, I mean, I summarized a year in about 35, 40 minutes or so. So obviously there's some details here and there I, I left out, but it gives you a good idea of uh, what happened and what's going on. And like I said, she's getting better every day. And we are very, very blessed for what it was. I mean, the whole time we were in the hospital, you know, when it seemed really bad, I would just keep telling her, you know, there's somebody out there right now going through basically the same thing, except they don't have, they're not insured or they're all alone. They don't have any family. They don't have any support or, um, you know, they're, they're older or they were already not very healthy, not in very good shape. I mean, Stephanie was very, very healthy, exercised all the time, ate right, um, you know, didn't didn't have really any unhealthy habits. So all these things, all these things have worked together. So, um, again, I appreciate everybody's time that you took to listen to this. And um, I'll talk to you next time.